0: Try it again. Good morning, Hope Elam. It is so good to see all of you here this morning again want to extend a special welcome to those of you worshiping with us online wherever you may be whatever city or state or country uh, you might be been, has been known to pop on uh, on our Facebook feedback there it is so good to be with all of you if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet my name is Pastor John one of the pastors here and we are so glad that you are here we believe it's no accident that God has led you here this morning I don't know about you but I think that I want Bonnie our scripture reader today to be my give me a pep talk every morning to to get going for the day. Praise God, sister. Thank you. Man just give her any Bible passage, like, okay, I'll do anything for you. I, that, I'm all in, God. Uh, absolutely. Well, no doubt it is a beginning of a new season. We're entering in a new season, certainly as a church, but also for many in our community, it is back to school time. And this is the week that I've dubbed in my social media feeds, back to school picture week uh, on Facebook and Instagram. No doubt if you're scrolling through your feed, you're going to see a lot of cute pictures of kids, uh, not just kids, but adults going back to school uh, as well. As we know, we have many, many in our community, not just uh, younger kids, but high school, college kids, uh, young adults, maybe going to grad school, maybe some of you as adults shifting careers or going back to school yourself. And certainly we want to say a special blessing over all of you that are teachers today, uh, administrators, uh, those of you that are are school employees in any way. We are so grateful for you. We are so thankful for you. And knowing that this is a, a unique year, just as last fall was. This is a very unique year. We want to extend to you uh, uh, a blessing today to know that uh, our thoughts, that our prayers uh, are with you as well. Can we give God praise for all of our teachers that are in the house today and administrators? Absolutely. We love you. We love you, and just as we saw in that opening video, uh, blessings on you and a prayer for all of our our students as well. I know there's been this uh, community-wide effort, Inspire Our Schools, that does a fantastic job. Just this all-church, non-denominational effort to come together. And I think that almost every single school in the greater Des Moines metro area has been prayed for. Uh, Our team was involved with that as well uh, over these last few weeks. And so that's the most important thing that we can do for our kids, uh, for our adults, for our teachers. Uh, We are so incredible incredibly thankful for you. But it's not just a beginning of a new school year for those in our community, it's for us as a church uh, as well. And if you're unfamiliar with kind of how the the year, the cycle, the calendar works here at Hope Elam, if you're new, I want to invite you into that. This is a perfect time to get connected. You picked a great day to come. In fact, turn to the person next to you right now and say, you picked a great day to come. Tell them that right now. You picked a great day to come. Absolutely you did. There you go. Absolutely. So what that means for us in our church community is that literally when I say there's something for everybody, there is. Zero to 100. Anywhere you fall in that category, there is something for you uh, at Hope Elam. It all starts with Hope Kids uh, here on Sunday mornings uh, that is starting up on the second floor uh, because they've grown so much today. Power Life is our confirmation ministry for grades 6 through 8. And then Ignition for grades 9 through 12 is our high school ministry as well. It continues, as Chris mentioned earlier on Thursday nights with Kairos, our college ministry. So if any of you are uh, college students or in that age range, we encourage you to check out Kairos starting this Wednesday as well. And then Revive is our ministry for young adults in their 20s and 30-somethings. And certainly that goes all the way up to adults as well. And so that's been our heartbeat is to make sure that there is something for you no matter what season or stage of life that you're at. But God has also laid a specific vision on our hearts as a church, as we've prayed as pastors and leaders, that our desire has always been that Hope Elam would be a place to belong. And one of the ways that we've been doing that is our community night uh, on Wednesday night. It has fantastic food, even better friendships and relationships being formed there as well. But our desire is that Hope Elam is this place to belong, is this place to connect. And so God's given us this vision for Wednesday nights this fall, that the world loves to draw up its lines, doesn't it? The world loves to say black, you know, black or, or white, or rich or poor, or city or suburb, or mass or no mass for that standpoint, or Republican or Democrat. You name the differences, and you got to be on this side, or you're going to be on that side. And maybe God's church could be the one place where we could still come together, be respectful of each other, even in our differences, even if our our differing opinions, and come together and say that the Jesus that unites us is stronger than the issues that could divide us. Amen? And that's who we are as a church. And so God's given us this, this vision where all of those groups of people and anywhere you fall in between could come. And that's all of you. And when I say all, I mean all. That's what Paul talks about. Uh, in the New Testament, we're coming together as a body of Christ. God's given us this vision for Wednesday nights. In addition to what God's doing here on Sunday mornings, that we're going to continue to do our community night meal, a hot meal, free meal served every single Wednesday night from 5 to six thirty. And then what we're going to do is we're going to mix it up a little bit. And every Wednesday night, uh, starting on September 15th, is we are going to have worship, like a legit worship service, just like Sunday morning here that you can come. And if you are out of town on the weekends, uh, if you're a weekend traveler, if you're working or you have a soccer tournament or whatever it might be, you can come midweek and experience the exact same worship and teaching we're going to go a little bit deeper for those of you that were page two fans it's going to be kind of that style where you can go a little bit deeper with the weekend message and we're going to have that child care in the nursery is going to be offered for those services as well as starting october 6 hope kids wednesday so an opportunity for elementary age kids to connect and grow in their faith as well and then at seven o'clock you can stay for the message and worship if you came on the weekend then there's different breakouts our students power life and ignition are all going to worship together with the rest of the church. We're going to do intergenerational ministry, and that worship band is going to be primarily led by students. They are going to lead the rest of the church in worship because they're not the future of the church. They are the church now. Amen? That's what we believe as a church. So that's what's going to be happening on Wednesday night. Student ministry will break off for their programming at 7 We're going to offer a brand new class talking about racial unity and bringing groups of people together across racial lines. That's going to happen at 7 o'clock as well. This is in addition to a whole bunch of classes and small groups that are going to be kicking off in the next couple weeks. So this is a great time to get connected as well, and we don't want you to miss that. There's a lot of excitement. Around uh, Hope Elam these days. And if you do have students that are in that power life ignition age range of grades six through 12, registration is open now as of a couple days ago. So go ahead and get your students signed up for that. There's a lot of excitement around Hope Elam. There's a lot of excitement around our house uh, these last couple weeks. Our kids, I don't know if your kids did this when they were young, if you have young kids now super excited about finding out who their homeroom teacher was. Does anybody remember those days? And they get a letter in the mail now of who their homeroom teacher is going to be. Uh, we as parents know because we go online and find out in advance, but they get this letter and it's super cool and certainly there was lots of screaming and enjoyment uh, and excitement uh, with that and they couldn't contain themselves and they're so excited to go back to school and get their new uh, folders and their new backpacks and, and all of that just around that returning to learn and certainly when we ask them what, what's your, the most exciting thing about school, your favorite thing about school. Recess, of course, and lunch uh, are very, very exciting, but they also love to learn and they love to meet new people and they learn to grow. And I look at my kids over these last couple weeks and there is a genuine excitement and optimism about the next year. Is that true for you? Is that true for me? Is there a genuine joy and excitement? Do you have any sense? Of anticipation for this year? Or has the condition and the state of our world just sort of knocked any joy or excitement or optimism out of you? And if I completely understand, if it has, I've read a lot of different articles and and, and books and different things about the the state of our world and what's going on, and certainly staying up to date with the news. One religious author, kind of around the theme, (laughs) the title of her article was. It's just all too much. It's just all too much. Another author wrote, I just can't take it anymore. I I talked with several of you this week, and the general sentiment around the state of our world is we're just all growing so weary. And maybe you felt that, not just over the last couple years, but really in just the last couple weeks. The resurgence of the Delta variant with COVID. I just was taking my mask off, and now I'm putting it back on tragedy, the earthquake, that de- Haiti was already devastated, and tragedy, one after another. And then, of course, what's going on in Afghanistan, you can't ignore it. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. When we talk about these things as a church, yes, there are absolutely political ramifications to anything that we talk about. We are talking about human beings. We are talking about children that don't have a home. We are talking about women that are being raped and mistreated. We are we are talking about human beings, and when we're talking about human beings, that is deep in the heart of God. It is not a political statement. It is a statement of the gospel that we care about people. Amen. That's why our heart breaks. That's why we care. And certainly, we want you to get involved socially. We want you to get involved politically. But the reason we talk about that as a church, that if our hearts don't break for the things that God heart that God's heart breaks for, we got to check our hearts. That's what it means to be the church. Be a follower of Jesus first, and then be a political follower second, okay? <laughs> view your view your politics, view your politics through the lens of your faith, not the other way around. That's God's call to us. But we care about these things and the, the brokenness of our world, and certainly another fall now where teachers and students and administrators are going back to school in the midst of so much fear and uncertainty and mystery around what's happening with COVID-19. And so the question is, how can we enter this new season and enter this fall season with the same joy and optimism that those kids are going to run off the school buses and, and run into the school that my kids are jumping up and down over their homeroom teacher and that you and I as adults are sitting here going, I don't know if I can take it anymore. Our world is literally falling apart. It is. But we also have a savior that's putting it back together. I don't know how I can take it anymore. Another way of saying that, and the question that I want to pose for us today, (laughs) is how do we keep the faith in a world gone mad? How do you and I keep the faith in a world gone mad? And God's word, when nothing else will do, God's word speaks. Let's read this together from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to know that you're awake this morning. Even if you're online, read it with me. Let's all read it together. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Let's just read this part that's highlighted one more time. We do not lose heart. One more time like you mean it. We do not lose heart. Have you? I think some of us has. And God's word speaks right into the middle of that with this hope, not ignoring the realities of the world. The apostle Paul is speaking into a pretty dark and dismal world full of oppression and corruption and hatred and violence and devastation as well. He's, not much has changed in the condition of our world in the last 2,000 years. It's still falling apart, and God is still putting it back together day by day. He's putting us back together. Paul says, we do not lose heart. I'm not ignoring the realities of the world, and that's not our call as Christians either, but we see the bigger story of what's going on. Paul is able to be fully present and even lament, and there's a word that we don't talk about a lot, Unfortunately, sometimes in the Western church, particularly in the American church, when we come to worship, we want everything to be puppies and rainbows. We want everything to be optimistic. We want everything to be happy. What happens when it's not? And I just want to say that in a very clear way this morning. Hope Elam is a place where it's okay to not be okay. Hope Elam is a place where it's okay to come in and say, I I don't know. I don't know if I can make it one more day. Whether it's something going on inside of you or something going on in the world, I just can't take it anymore. That's half the Bible. Do you know that over half of the book of Psalms is David and other writers just crying out to God, shaking their fists at God? I've done that in the last couple of weeks. How long, oh Lord? We get that, that, that sentiment right out of the book of Psalms. There's an entire book about lamenting. It's called Lamentations. Why, why is it so long? It's because there's a lot to lament about. It just keeps going and going and going. And lamenting is something we just don't ver- do very well because we want everything to be okay. But Christians have this ability to lament, to shake our fists, to be angry, to cry out to God. And that yet what I love in so many of the Psalms, particularly Psalm 42, David cries out and said, God, where are you? Why are my enemies succeeding? Why is the world falling apart? And yet at the end of every stanza of Psalm 42, the sentiment is David says, and yet I will still praise him. And yet God is still my rock. And yet God is still my fortress. As we talked about last week, as Christians, we have this ability to live in the land in between. We have the ability to live in the now and the not yet. Even though, actually go back a slide, I just want to look at that verse one time. Though outwardly we are wasting away. I think we're all in agreement on that. Our world is falling apart. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's where we live as followers of Jesus. Now you can go ahead to the slide. And yet... Every single line, almost in half the Psalms in the book of Lamentations and the rest of the New Testament, we cry out to God, we're angry, things are falling apart. But God. Everybody say, but God. But God. God. There's a but God moment in every single one of your lives as well. I was going down this road. My life had no purpose and meaning. But God stepped in. But God intervened. But God rescued me. And God is doing the same thing as well. God's word teaches us this, particularly in the Psalms, that complaint left unchecked by hope becomes bitterness. And some of you are right on the cusp of that. As I talked to you today, you are losing heart. And it's okay to complain. It's okay to cry out to God. But you always have to come back to the rock. Left unchecked by hope becomes bitterness. And what we'll find is that bitterness closes your heart to God And it steals your joy. And you'll find out where you put your hope will determine your joy. If you don't have any joy, be very, very careful and check where or to whom you have placed your hope in these days. Is it Jesus or is it somebody else? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Paul says right in the midst of the tragedy in the world that we live in, we know that hope is not the end of the story. That one day all will be made right. And we talked about that last week. So how do we live in this world that is falling apart, that we know that healing and restoration and resurrection are coming? How do we keep the faith in a world God mad? I want to offer you three keys today, and the first one is this, is to remember the story. We talked about that last week. Remember the larger story that God is telling where COVID is not the end of the story, where cancer is not the end of the story, where your addiction is not the end of the story, your divorce is not the end of the story. The resurrection of Jesus and life everlasting and life eternal with God forever is the end of the story. Be careful, amen? Be careful. (laughs) Be careful what story that you're telling yourself these days because some of us are telling us the story that the chapter that I'm living in right now in 2021 is it. And we forgot to, li- forgot to remember that God is telling a much bigger story. Don't get lost in the smaller story that says your current chapter is going to define the rest of your life. Think, think about some of those moments in your life where you were ready to just throw in the towel and quit. But God intervened. What if you would have just settled for the fact that that chapter is going to define the rest of my life? You would completely miss what God has for you in the future. You would completely miss what God is doing in your life now. So number one, to keep the faith, we remember the story. And number two, the one I want to spend a little bit of time on today is to remember the source. Remember your source. In John chapter 4, Jesus tells this story of a woman that goes to the well. And so I went to some of the the ancient uh, Palestine archives, and I actually found the exact well uh, that Jesus uh, stopped by uh, with the woman, actually uh, a bin from my basement. But there it is. And so some of you are like, is somebody going to get baptized today? That's a pretty small bit. If you want to, we can do that. Uh, You know, if anybody, I can just kind (laughs) of do it like that. No, Jesus goes and he meets this woman at the well. He takes a detour and he goes through the region of Samaria. And Jews and Samaritans don't mix, first of all. But that's not the part of the story I want to focus on today. I want to talk about that well. That was Jacob's well and it was known far and wide for being a place of refreshment that you could come and, and get filled up and experience that kind of water well what we find out is that that well actually and the, the bucket that this woman has actually becomes an illustration for the entire story every single day this woman this Samaritan woman in John 4 needs to go to the well to draw water every single day she comes and it's kind of an illustration for her life because as we later find out she's on her six different man different relationship. And we don't know the the story around that, but clearly she's searching for something. She's, She's desperate for that, and she's going to that. And as it turns out, every single one of us, just like the woman in John 4, has a bucket, and we have wells that we run to. We have different sources that we go to to try to fill us up. Every single one of us is searching for love, Every single one of us is searching for joy or, or for peace, for satisfaction, somehow to make sense of the world around us. And every single one of us longs for that. And so we have different wells, we have different sources that we run to. And certainly in the year that we live in, in the month and the day and the time that we live in here in 2021, a lot of us are empty. And so we're running everywhere. We're going, to, I could have a whole stage full of wells up here that would represent how a lot of our lives look. And every single one of us has a bucket, and we run over here to this well, and we run over here to this well. And sometimes it's, it's, it's innocence. It's like we, we, they don't seem that bad. None of these wells are terrible or bad in and of themselves. It's just when we go looking to them to fill up our soul, just like this woman in John chapter 4, they'll never satisfy. For you, maybe like the woman here in John 4, it's relationships, and it doesn't seem that bad, and, you know, you, you scoop it up, and you, you rely on your spouse. They're my rock. I go to my parents. My world revolves around my kids and their sports and their activities, and all of a sudden, it just doesn't fill that ache in your soul. It, it, it can't fill you up. You, you scoop a little bit, but it doesn't do it for you. Now, others of us will, this is one that I don't know if resonates anybody. We have this, we have this amazing thing called cable news, that hasn't existed for that long, but we have the ability to form an opinion about just about everything. There's nothing wrong with that. My challenge for you today is if you're running to that, <laughs> is it bringing more peace to your life or is it bringing more fear? Because one is of God and one is of the, of the, of the enemy. And my challenge for you today is that we're all being discipled by something. We're all being formed by something, and I think the tragedy sometimes of the American church is that maybe we're being discipled a little bit more by 24-7 cable news than we are by our rabbi. Are you being formed of your beliefs and your values being formed by more uh, to, to the news station or the commentary that you choose to tune into or God's word? And that's my challenge to you, is we can keep running to that source, but it's just not going to fill us up. It's the same thing with social media. There's nothing bad with that. I love it. I use it for ministry all the time. And some of us are going to run to that well of social media as well. But are you being formed by articles and blogs and your, and your friends and your family's opinions? What's the ratio of how much time I spend on my phone to digging into the word of God? Some of you are like, my Bible's on my phone. Oh, you get the point, okay? You, you get the idea. What well are you running to? And I just thought about this this last week, if that's something you struggle with, like I do, and you're just feeling the, the gravity, the, the, the weight of the world these days as you scroll through your phone and see everything that's going on, all the tragedies in the world, have you ever stopped to think, number one, maybe God didn't create me to have an opinion on every single topic in the world, and I say that with love, and I'm preaching to myself, because I feel that, Maybe I don't need to comment on everything, and maybe I'm not an expert in politics and world affairs, and I'm not a scientist and all of that. I can, I, can, I can speak my mind and have an opinion, but I want to spend way more time loving people than tearing people down. Okay? And the second thing is, and this is more because I love you as a church, and as one of your pastors, as, as one of your shepherds, I care about your soul, in my heart of hearts, and someday I'll ask God this. Remember that like 2020, 21 time? What in the world, God? I wanna ask Him were our souls ever designed to handle this much tragedy and trauma at one time? Was, was the human soul ever designed for that? And I just have a feeling that he might say, remember the cross? Remember my son Jesus? He took it all to the cross and your job is not to hold the weight of the world in your hands. Your job is to surrender. Your job is to give it to Jesus and every single day to fall on your knees and turn off the news and get off your phone and be desperate for Jesus. That's your job, (laughs) is to give it to him. Is to give it to him. I want to I want to pray that prayer every single day, no matter what's something going on in my life personally or with a relationship or a loved one that's sick or something that's going on in the world. A prayer I just want to encourage us to pray over and over again. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you because I can't handle it. You can't And that's why we need Jesus. And so we keep running to all these wells and if social media and cable news isn't going to do it, you just keep going right down the list. Oh, be careful what well you run to. Be careful where you put your hope. Oh, I'm just going to go for this cause or or this agenda or whatever it is or this political affiliation. I'm going to defend it to the end. If anything that we have learned over these last several years, when we put our hope in a political party or a politician, that well is always going to leave us empty. It's never gonna be enough. I wanna challenge you with that this morning. There is a living well, and that's not it. We have a savior. The woman at the well discovered, Oh, you're it. She says, I'm looking for the Messiah. And Jesus says, I'm it. And if this woman in John chapter 4 was here today, she would look you in the eyes and she would say, Stop trying to make the God of the universe, the savior of the world, fit into a two party political system and let him be your savior. He doesn't fit, he'll never fit. That well is always going to come up empty. Get involved, have opinions, have views, but let Jesus be your Savior. That well is always going to come up empty. Maybe it's, maybe it's this one. I had a hard time getting my head around this, but I've just seen a lot of this on social media. I've seen a lot of Christians say, forget about the church. I had a bad experience. I, I, I went run into that well. I went to Hope Elam or I went to another church, and I tried to get filled up. And then I got offended. And then somebody had a different viewpoint than me. And, 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 I, and I got burned. And I had a bad experience. And so I said, screw it. Forget about it. Forget about them. I don't want anything to do with I'm I'm, I'm going to give up on them. I see what people do in the name of Christianity. I see what people do in the name of being an evangelical, which, by the way, is not a dirty word. And I wish we could just grab it back from the claws of our culture and say, it means people that believe that Jesus is the greatest news in the history of the world. But I understand that it's weighted and it's loaded. And they say, if evangelical means that, then I don't want anything to do with that. And we say, forget about it. I'm never going to that well again. Forget about the church. The problem is in the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks about his love for the church. Paul talks about this in First and Second Corinthians about this picture of when a man and a woman get married and, and a bride and a bridegroom come together, Jesus says, that's a little glimpse of my love for the church. Yes, the broken, imperfect church. Last week, my wife Tiffany and I celebrated 12 years. Some of you are like, we've been married for 50. You got nothing, right? Well... We made it 12 years. We're going to re-up for another year. Yeah, so. Let me rephrase. Tiffany has dealt with me for 12 years. So, um, and, and I remember a couple years ago, she surprised me on our 10th anniversary. Uh, she got the, the wedding reenacted. And she put on her wedding dress, and of course it fit perfectly. And I put on my suit, which was huh, a little snug, uh, after after 10 years and she had our kids come because obviously they'd just seen pictures and they were participated in the reenactment of the wedding. And I remember looking down the aisle as she walked up in that moment and thinking to myself, I would do anything for her. Like I would die for her. She's that, and that's how much, that's how important the bride is to the bridegroom or to the husband. And Jesus says, that's a little glimpse of how much I love you. And he calls all of us broken and imperfect the church. Is is my bride perfect? I think she's listening to this, so yes. (laughs) But no, right? But no, and the same is true of the church. And here's my challenge for you today when you fall in love with Jesus, you fall in love with his bride. You learn to love the things that he loves. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're drawn to the church because that's what he... Well, Jesus thought the church was worth dying for. While we were still sinners, while we were that bride that met him at the altar and then ran away and said, forget you, Jesus, as broken and imperfect of a bride as the church is, Jesus didn't give up on us, so don't give up on the church. Don't give up on the church. Don't... Don't run to the well that's, that's a label that says, I don't want anything to do with Christians. I don't want anything to do with evangelicals and say, well, that's it. That well will never satisfy. The well that is going to satisfy is Jesus Christ. And yet others of you say, no, 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 it, it, it's not that. Back, back to the woman. It's, it's let's just be optimistic and let's have positive thoughts. I hear it all the time on social media, sending positive vibes your way. I still don't know what that means. I don't feel the vibes But in the world that we live in, we need a lot more than optimism and positive thinking and positive vibes. We need the power of gospel thinking. We need Jesus. Amen? And that's what happens at the end of this story. We run to all these different wells. And finally, at the end of the day, Jesus just comes out and declares it to this woman. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Let's read this together, nice and loud, down to the bottom. Jesus says this, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Jesus says, are you looking to get filled up? I'm it. I was listening uh, and, and reading uh, from an author this past week, a pretty well-known pastor and theologian, and the, the, the interviewer asked him, what is the one thing that you believe Christians need to sort of keep the faith in this next year? And he said this, Christians need to develop a reservoir of resilience. You know what resilience is. It's the ability to to get knocked down and get back up. That's the story of our last two years, (laughs) right? The ability to get knocked down and come back up. Christians are called to have a reservoir of resilience that would enable us to get knocked down but to not lose heart, to not give up, to not give up on our faith, to not give up on the church. What's the nature of a reservoir? It's something we know that. The very nature of it is that it stays filled up. And then it gives from an overflow. How do you become that kind of person? John chapter 4. You go to the living water. You bring your bucket and you stop running around to all those different wells. They're all good things in and of themselves. But you don't go to those wells looking for them to satisfy. You go to the well of Jesus Christ. The living water. So that you'll never be thirsty again. You develop this reservoir of resilience. Some of you are like, I just come when I, when I have time or, or when it's convenient for my schedule, you're going to be empty. And some of you are like, I'm there and that's why I'm here. Praise God that you're here. The most mature people in their faith say, not been there, done that, bought the t-shirt when it comes to weekly worship or a small group or a Bible study. They say, I am desperate for Jesus. And the longer I follow Jesus, the more I realize I need work weekly worship. The longer I follow Jesus, I'm desperate for my small group because I can't do this alone. The worst possible thing that you could do when the world is falling apart or when when your world, your life is falling apart, what I see happen all the time, oh, I can't let people know what's really going on, so I'm just gonna isolate. Oh, my marriage is struggling. I don't want anybody at church to find out. Oh, I'm really struggling with drinking again. I don't want anybody to find out. Those of you that have been in support groups, you know, right? That's the worst possible thing you could do, is isolate. All of us are broken. All of us have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, as our friends in Celebrate Recovery like to say. And I've said it once, and I'll say it again. Every single one of us is in recovery from something. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We're all in need of a Savior. Don't run away and isolate. Don't do life alone. How do we keep the faith in a world gone mad? We remember the story Number two, you remember your source. And last but not least, you remember who you are. If you read the Bible long enough, some of us have a twisted view of what the gospel is. Some of us believe that the gospel that Jesus came, his main message, was just go, go, go. Do, do, do. Be really, really busy and get a lot of things done for God. And if I do all these things for God, then he'll love me. And the gospel flips that upside down and Jesus says, I already love you. Therefore, in response to that, how, how could I not be all in for Jesus? Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time saying, you should do that. You should be really busy. You should do all these things for me. Try harder. Instead, for Jesus, our identity fuels our activity. Jesus spent a lot of time in the Gospels reminding us who we are. And it starts right away in his very first sermon, Matthew chapter 5. This is our scripture reading for last week. Jesus says this. I'll read the first part of the verse, and then we'll read it later together. He says, you are the light of the world. Not think about it. Not try to be the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And then let's read verse 16 nice and loud together. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, our world's broken, our world's dark, and our world's falling apart. Where are Christians in a world full of pain and divisiveness and hatred and darkness? Right in the middle of it. You do know that Jesus prayed for you in John chapter 17 and me. He said, Don't take them out of the world. I don't want you to quit. Christians aren't on the sideline. We're not quitters. We're not on the sideline living a fear. We're right in the middle of the brokenness and the mess, shining our lights. When everybody else is taking sides and lashing out at each other online, we love our enemies. When nobody shows up because everybody else is too preoccupied with their own priorities and agendas, guess who shows up to serve? Christians, the church. That's what we do. We show up with, as you see in some of these pictures, we show up with hundreds of pounds of school supplies that filled up our lobby that were blessed for local elementary schools here this last week, including Joshua Christian Academy. Praise God for your generosity. Praise God. We, we, we show up at uh, schools that don't have the, 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 uh, the ability right now to, to put together desks and get the, 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 the uh, um, school supplies ready and everything in these teachers' rooms. Teachers are overwhelmed. Think about everything that they're dealing with. The least that we could do is go and help them with that. We shine our light. In light of what happened uh, in Haiti, we hook up with one of our mission partners, Many Hands for Haiti, because they are spending at least uh, about $25,000 to send a gift of immediate uh, food and medicine. Medical supplies over to Haiti. We said, "Here's twenty-five thousand dollars to fill that right back up." You, as a church, gave that to them this last week to help support the efforts in Haiti. We're having conversations with a lot of our local resettlement and, and refugee program mission partners to talk about how can we come alongside in the next few months and help with the resettlement of uh, Afghanistan refugees, whatever it might be. Because we're there, we shine our lights. That's who we are. And as followers of Jesus, when everybody else has lost hope. We don't pitch them positive vibes or positive thinking or optimism. We point them to Jesus. We point them to Jesus. In your interactions online, are you pointing people to yourself, to a political party, or to the one savior that can put the world back together? Where are you pointing people? Here's the deal. This just popped into my head the last couple days. Christians are the only ones that can grieve with hope. Everybody else is either, I got I to gotta, I gotta just wallow in my grief and my sorrow over the condition of our world, or I just have to have be this blind optimist and say, everything's going to be okay. Christians are the only ones that because of the resurrection and because of where we live in God's story can live in the tension in the land in between and, and say, this is so hard. And I can sit with people and weep with them and not try to fix them and offer them advice every single time. The best thing you can do for some people that are hurting in your world, in your family, in your friends, is to weep with them. That's what Jesus did. And, at the same time, we can say, guess what? Jesus says that he's the resurrection and the life, and that one day he's going to put the whole world back together, and we will rise with him and we'll live forever. We can live with a humble hope. That's my prayer for us as we head into this new year, that as followers of Jesus, as Hope Elam, we live with a humble hope. Humble because I don't have all the answers, and hope because I know the one who does. Amen? Amen. We're followers of Jesus. We have a humble hope, and we can point them to the well that will not disappoint. You remember who you are. You remember who you are. You don't let anybody else tell you who you are except the God that created you. You are the light of the world. And secondly, as we heard in our scripture reading today, you are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. I want to give you this illustration to kind of set up the scripture for us today. Did anybody watch the Olympics? Ended a little while ago. Anybody watched the Olympics? just a show of hands? Just raise them up. Okay, gotcha. There was this thing called the Olympics. I know it was a little bit different uh, this year. The one thing that was really different for me is that there was nobody in the stands except the the, the media, maybe maybe a few fans. But there was nobody in the stands, and it was really different because you're used to seeing hundreds and thousands of people. There were still millions of people uh, watching online or on their televisions or whatever it was, but they, they tried to make it look like that. Now, there's a lot of things I love about the Olympics the excitement, the passion, uh, the opportunity, the, 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 the passion, the, the excitement that surrounds all of that, the competition, all of that. I love that about the Olympics. The one thing that I struggle with with the Olympics or with any other large, big team sporting events that I love to play, basketball, football, baseball, any of the things that I used to play, does anybody ever get the itch to just go down there and try it? Does anybody ever watch that? Maybe not track, because I know I can't run. But uh, any, any of you see any of those sports, and you're like, I'd like to try that. I, I could probably, am I the only one? Okay, I'm weird. I'll just have my little time uh, up here. I, I, I want to I get in the game. After a while, there's something in me that says... I'm tired of just being a passive spectator and consuming all of this. I really want to experience the thrill of getting in the game and being a part of that. And I will tell you this, that a, an Olympic stadium or a football or basketball or baseball stadium full of thousands of people with 1, two, five, 10, 12 people on the field is great for the Olympics and a terrible vision for what it means to be the church. Because Paul gives us a, or Peter, excuse me, gives us a very different mindset about what the church was designed to be. We read this. He says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Well, wait a minute. Did you hear that? A royal priesthood just what do you what do you think of just shout it out when you hear the word priest what do you think of what do you think of being catholic right or a pastor right the guy that's up front here maybe in 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 robes or doing whatever it was when however you grew up a a priest this is like a holy a holy man or woman right they've got a direct line to god probably they got a a special connection they're super spiritual they're and wait a minute peter says that's you that's you. That's you. <laughs> Maybe we're a little bit more than passive spectators when it comes to being the church. And what you may not know, this word Lutheran is in our name a Lutheran Church of Hope. We're a Jesus church first, <laughs> Lutheran church second. <laughs> but one of the lasting contributions of Martin Luther and the Refuma- Reformation is his teaching on this topic. That in a day and age when the Roman Catholic Church says there's only a few people that can read and decipher God's word. And you can't. Luther said, uh-uh. The Bible's for everybody, and everybody is a priest. It says it right there in God's Word. He even said to those of you that are parents, you are the bishops of your home. You are the spiritual leader of your home. Every single one of you that belongs to a local church is a priest. The priesthood of all believers Luther would teach on, or another way to remember it, I just think about board games when it says, well, on this turn only some people can play, and on this turn everybody plays. You want to know what it means to be a part of Hope Elam? Everybody plays. Everybody say, everybody plays. Everybody plays. It's an, it's an all-in for everybody. And some of you are getting a little restless right now because you're like, oh, wait a minute, I was with you until this point, John, because some of you grew up in a church setting where the, the pastor or the priest was put up on this very high pedestal. Number one, we are ordinary men and women. And number two, we... That is awesome, and we love the, the, the respect and, 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 and all of that and the admiration. But here's the deal. Pastors were never meant to get in the way of the church being the church. That is not our job. The church needs leaders, but never at the expense of seeing a whole bunch of passive spectators sitting in the audience. And sometimes that happens to the church and we lose this view. So what is the role of pastors and teachers and leaders in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 4. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, in other words, (laughs) the church leaders, to do what? To equip. Everybody say equip. equip. To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. What is the role of the pastor or the, the, the church staff to do all the ministry, <laughs> to, to have all the fun, to do all the work, to, to be the only ones down on the field? Absolutely not. To equip you, God's people, to lead your church. I remind our staff of that every single week. Your job is to help people lead their church. You were not hired to do all the work. Your job is to equip. It's right out of Ephesians chapter. I love the look on people's faces when they are learning about our church. And they say, how many, uh, how many ministers do you have there at the church? You should see the look on their face when I say, a little over 700. <laughs> because you are the church. You are the church. You are the church. And our role is to help you lead your church. There's no way that we could do it alone. There's no way that we could renovate this entire building or or financially support. There's no way we could hand out 6,000 meals over the last six months. There's no way that we could start over 20 small groups that are available for you this fall unless you lead your church. There's no way that we could do what we do as a church and all these people running around in those fancy fashionable blue shirts. There's no way that we could do it without you. God's game plan for you this fall, keeping the faith in a world gone mad, number one, remember the story. Number two, remember your source. And number three, remember who you are. You are a royal priesthood, you are the church. You're the light of the world and you were created to shine, not consume religion once a week for an hour. You were created to shine, to be the church. You're the bride of Christ. At Hope Elam, everybody plays. Everybody plays. Everybody is in the game. And today you are invited to find your role on the team. To not sit on the sidelines anymore. Even if it's your first time here and you're like, whoa, I'm brand new. You are more a part of this than you know. The Hope Elam train is leaving and you can just hop on and ride along. You are more a part of this than you know. And whether this is your 100th time here or your first time here, you are a part of our family. God loves you. You are his son. You are his daughter. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And today you're called to get off the sideline and get into the game. God has called you to use your gifts and your experiences and your passion to grow the kingdom of God, whether it's in big ways or little ways. It all matters in the kingdom. And that's why you are surrounded by dozens of these ministry banners today in here and out in the lobby as well. And so I'm just going to invite anybody that's leading one of those to go to their spot, to their station. Some of you are out in the lobby, upstairs, down here. You can start making your way to those spots. And as you watch these people go to those spots, you might be wondering, well, I don't really recognize them. people. Are these all staff? Absolutely not. <laughs> a few of them are, but most of them are people just like you. People just like you. And there's, you might be wondering, why in the world are we doing a, a ministry fair? Why, why are we doing this? Number one, one of the biggest myths and misconceptions about a larger growing church is that you look around, hope you and say, oh, wow, they got all these ministries. I'm sure they got everything covered nothing could be further from the truth. We need you. We need your help. It's fall. It's back to school. It's time to get in the game. It's time to activate your faith. That's the number one reason is we need your help. (laughs) But bigger than that, number two, I don't want to get in the way of you being the church. The last thing that we want to do is lead every single ministry and run every single ministry and have you sit there and go, I wonder what it would be like to experience that same power And that same excitement and that same passion that you see in the book of Acts when the church is just exploding and everybody's in the game and everybody's using their gifts and everybody's using their skills. There's so much more. There's so much more than just sitting there and taking it in once a week. There's so much more. And whether you're new or you've been coming for a while, you may not know all the amazing things that God is doing, many of them led by people just like you. And I'm probably going to miss a few as well because there's a whole lot Going on, but some of you are like, I've just been kind of waiting to get involved, and I'm just Lord of looking for a sign from God. I got really good news for you. There's 21 signs right around the church here today. Signs from God that say it's time, it's time to be the church. So I'm gonna miss a few, but there's lots of ways to get involved. Prayer ministry praying for people, praying from home, praying from a distance, praying here on site, creative arts ministry as well, small groups, men's, women's, couples, small groups for everybody, women's ministry, groups as we talked about for racial unity and looking for small group leaders. Alpha starts here in a few weeks. Looking for leaders, you can sign up and take the class and learn the basics of Christianity. Our worship ministry that's up here uh, as well. Our production ministry, go see them uh, in the back. If you love Jesus and have any uh, set of uh, fingers, You can serve uh, for production. They'll train you uh, as well. Student ministry, our junior high and high school ministry. Get your kids involved. Volunteer as well. We need you as well. Children's ministry on Sunday mornings, soon to be on Wednesday nights. Our nursery ministry. If you love the little ones, check that out. ESL. Hope Elam has one of the largest adult ESL programs in the city and it's right here and there's dozens of ways to help them as well. Community Night on Wednesday night, Serving with the Meal, Kairos, our college ministry, Revive, our young adult ministry. In the next few months, we're going to rev back up our transportation ministry. Going, if you're a bus driver, you want to go out and use one of our shuttles to go out and pick up people that are calling us right now. I don't have any way to get to church. We need your help if you'd be willing to do that once a month. Our food ministry, if you love to cook, and clean and set up, facilities and grounds. We have a lawn and garden team that comes and helps why our outside of our church looks so beautiful right now. Our care ministry that can love people and care for people, visit people in the hospital. Hospitality ministry, our parking ministry, our security team, coffee and refreshments, scripture reading, all of that. Our men's ministry as well. Admin and reception, people that can host Zoom rooms, people that can be welcome for class and help check people in. We have an amazing faith-filled professional loving preschool that meets here four days a week that's going to be starting here in a few weeks get your kids signed up dozens of ways to volunteer and we're just getting started give God praise for the ministries of Hope Elam and everything that he's doing that's just a glimpse that's just a glimpse and so here's my challenge to you some of you are like I'm already involved that's awesome some of you're like I don't feel like getting involved too bad you're going to today and if that's you in either one of those categories, I don't want to, I already am. This is my challenge to you. Go up to one of these leaders, give him a handshake, give him a fist bump, wave at him, and say thank you. Say thank you because these folks here and in, out in the lobby are my heroes. Because in the midst of the world that we're living in, they stood up and said, I know what's going on. I know what we're up against as a church. But it doesn't change who I am. I'm a servant leader. This is what I was called to do. I'm a city on a hill. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bride of Christ. I'm the priesthood of all believers. And they go to the well that is the living water of Jesus Christ. And they want to share some of that with you. They want you to stop navel-gazing. They want you to stop focusing on yourself. And for a second, start praying for somebody other than yourself. Start living for somebody other than yourself. Stop coming and consuming and listening to sermons over and over again. And start being who you're created to be, the church, a family of God that is living for Jesus Christ and shining our lights in the city. And so we're not going to do a closing worship song because they did three, and we've got a church to lead. So hope, to, hope Elam, now that you've come to worship, it is time to go and be the church. Come on down. Go find some friends. Go sign up. Go and be the church. We'll see you next week. Go talk to them.